You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. sneak oh y'all if I trip that that would be the sight to see good morning I mean can I steal your music stand okay thank you I like to ask permission before I just take things good morning I'm glad that you guys are here. It's so nice to see so many faces um, and some families now that kids church is back can we get a hallelujah um I just, I'm so excited to see you guys here in the cold when we lost an hour, all of the above. Um, Jeremy opened us up with the passage that we're going to talk through today, um, which is the story of the transfiguration as seen in the book of Luke. Um, If we haven't had the chance to connect yet, my name's Allison. Um, I've been a member of the Center Church community for about three years now, which feels kind of wild. Um, I am a Richmond native and a Hokie, so go Hokies if you watched the game last night. Um, And, oh, we got some booze, come on. (laughs) Um, And I am soon to be a student again in the fall. Um, So this morning, just like I got to introduce myself, I want to give you guys a second. Um, Just turn around, say hi to the people around you, pass the peace, give a high five, ask them where they went to school, um, whatever you want. Just two minutes. This is also the time for our center kids to head on back to their groups if they haven't yet. So take a minute, pass the piece. Jamel's in the back. He will hang out with all the kids. Good morning. Where'd you go to school? Got it. Yeah, I just needed it down a little bit. Should just let this happen. Okay, everyone's having such good conversation, and I don't want to end it. Okay. Rock and roll. Everyone is having such a good time chatting. Oh, there we go. Hello, friends. (laughs) I love it. I'm not complaining. I'm glad that you guys are meeting your neighbors and your friends. Um, Hopefully, we can be friends even if there are hokey and who rivalries. I believe in it. Um, Landon, I am throwing your picks all over the ground. I'm so sorry. Um, 
So this morning, I'm glad that we met each other because it's going to look a little bit differently. Um, Towards the end of this morning's message, I'm going to ask a couple questions. Um, They're going to be on the screen, and we're going to have a couple minutes to talk about them um, with each other and you guys with the people that you're here with and the people that are around you. Um, I think that this is just a really important thing that we get to do um, because I only have one pretty limited perspective over what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, And my perspective might not um, be the best thing for you. And when we talk about things communally, we can see a better version of who God is together. Um, So I'm really hoping that this morning we can participate in that way. Um, I will let you know when that's coming. Um, So this morning's passage has three storylines, I think, Um, and three things that we're going to get to wonder together about. It reminds us that Jesus is the fulfillment of a bigger story. It tells us the identity of who Jesus is. And it gives us permission to stop and listen. Reverend Will Gaffney talked about using your sacred imaginations while interpreting biblical texts. Um, And I'm really hoping that this morning we can do that together. Right before we get to this passage in Luke, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection with the 12 disciples. And we pick up in verse 28 when Peter, James, and John head up on a mountain with Jesus to pray. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. He was transfigured. This is why the story is called the Transfiguration. Um, Just in case you don't know, because I didn't, um, Transfiguration means a great change of form or appearance especially a change that beautifies, glorifies, or makes something more spiritual. During that time, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. The appearance of Moses and Elijah are pretty interesting. Um, One, they've been dead or semi-dead. We can talk about Elijah on a different (laughs) Sunday Um, for a while. Um, So these are like our Old Testament friends, like they have not been here for a minute, Um, but they're back. So why them? Like what does their presence signify on that mountain with Jesus? Um, A popular thought is that Moses symbolizes the law um, and Elijah symbolizes the prophets. So in this moment, we have the law and the prophets and Jesus together. The next verse says they spoke about his departure, which was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. The word departure here is actually the Greek word for exodus. Um, If you know the story of Moses, you've heard that word before. Um, Moses and Elijah and Jesus were talking about Jesus' exodus to come that would bring completion at Jerusalem, the one that he just, just spoke about to the disciples eight days earlier. The importance of Moses and Elijah shows the idea that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He is bringing finalization to a storyline that has been in play for years and years and years. Matthew 5.17 says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The book of Luke tends to offer a broader story than some of the other gospel books. Um, We kind of see this um, in the passage of Mary in the Magnificat. When um, Mary speaks of Jesus bringing in a new kingdom that's bringing down the oppressors and bringing up the marginalized, um, I think we're kind of seeing that same narrative play out here when the book of Luke talks about the transfiguration. 
Um, many people thought the prophecy would be fulfilled by power and by kingship, um, but instead it's being fulfilled through the ultimate defeat and death and the overcoming of that defeat in Jesus' resurrection. Then we get to the second chunk of the scripture. Um, and I think this one's my favorite part of this because I see myself in it. Um, it starts in verse 32. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. Some other versions phrase this as Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. Some of you may be feeling this after losing an hour last night. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, but I can't remember a time in the past couple years where I haven't felt weighed down with something. Um, but the past couple weeks have been harder. The war in Ukraine the transphobic and homophobic laws being written in America, the gun violence against students in our own streets, the fire at Fox Elementary School. It's easy to look around and feel weighed down by all of that. It's easy to feel like change can't happen or to turn a blind eye and say, it might not matter to me, so why should I care this much? But shouldn't our neighbors be our fight too? Peter, James, and John were weighed down with sleep, but they woke in time to see the glory that was happening right in front of them. But when they noticed the divinity of Christ, Peter said, it's good for us to be here, so let's stay here. Let's build monuments and homes in this space of glory, and we don't have to think about the people that aren't on this mountain with us. We don't have to think about the fulfillment, how this ends. We can ignore the exodus to come because this is glory. This is divinity. Like little ostriches, we can bury our heads in the sand. How many times have we been a part of something good, felt something divine, and just wanted to keep it to ourselves? Have we wanted to park ourselves there and build monuments and our homes? Peter says, it is good for us to be here. But what does that mean for the people suffering off the mountain? Would we rather keep glory for ourselves instead of allowing full fulfillment for all people? The fulfillment in death and resurrection is glory that is meant to be shared with all, not just some. Amen. It's not just for the people on the mountain who watched a transfigured Christ. So a question time for all of us. So what is a time in your life where you've noticed joy or glory or Christ and wanted to keep it to yourself? What's a time where you've noticed those things and felt like you wanted to share it? Those are the two questions. I'm going to give you two minutes. So extroverts, only two minutes. Introverts, just two minutes. Uh, okay, go, and then we'll chat about it together. Um, for me, it's like coming across a hole-in-the-wall Richmond restaurant. Um, you want to make sure you've got a literal seat at the table. <laughs> so maybe you tell your short list of foodie friends, um, or you take someone on a date there to impress them, but you are not posting about it in the RVA Dine and Drink Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. 
But the glory of little nickel nachos are for everyone. And I thank you. That's, <laughs> um, and I can't keep them to myself. Um, the text said that Peter didn't know what he had said once he said it. But as he's speaking, a cloud appears over them and they became afraid. In the cloud, a voice appeared and said, this is my son who I have chosen. Listen to him. The identity of Jesus was proclaimed. My son who I have chosen. And the disciples were given a call to listen. And then they were alone with just Jesus. No Moses and Elijah, no glowing clothes or voices in the clouds. Just Peter, James, John, and Jesus on a mountain. In the other Gospels, the story ends by Jesus asking everyone not to tell about this. Um, But here in Luke, all we get is that they kept it to themselves. When preparing for this morning, it might get a little cringy, I'm so sorry everyone, Um, I kept thinking about my time working at a summer camp from 2014 to 2017. Um, I spent summers leading students through low ropes courses and eating way too many s'mores and not getting enough sleep. Um, But every week we would get to Thursday night. And if you've been to summer camp, you like know exactly where this is going. Um, And every Thursday night there would be a conversation about a mountaintop experience. Um, Or moments where you felt very high on faith um, and how they were great. But if you didn't do anything about them when you came home, they were worthless. It was like, if you can't bring this into your life tomorrow, you shouldn't have come to camp. Um, Well, maybe not. Um, so now I probably in this season of my life attribute that more to very high emotions, being away from your parents for a week and not sleeping at all, um, rather than just responding to the Holy Spirit. But at the time it feels really real. But in the actual experience of this literal moment on a mountain, Peter, James, and John went home and said nothing. We don't know if anything about them changed because of this. I would love to stand here and tell you that I think that this story is calling us to transformation. Um, And I think the entire story of this Lenten season is calling us to transformation. Um, But maybe not in the way we think of when we think of highly emotional religious experiences. The disciples experienced the glory of who Jesus is. They were given verbal confirmation of his identity and the instructions to listen, and they said nothing for a little while. They listened. I bet they had so many questions about what they saw and what it meant. Who made the cloud appear? I wonder if Peter forgot that he offered to build homes and monuments there. I wish we could see how they were processing it when it was all over. The story of the transfiguration does a couple things for us. It reminds us of the bigger story that Jesus is playing out. It confirms that Jesus is the son of God. And it gives us permission to stop and listen and wonder. So our second question is, what does it look like for you in practice to stop and listen? Or wonder, what does it look like for you in practice to stop and listen? Another two minutes, chat with your friends. I'll bring us back. Okay, friends, who has a good um, thing that we can do to practice stopping and listening? What are some of the things that you guys do to practice this in your own lives? 
not over scheduling. I'll, yeah, I'm going to note that one. Thank you. Um, yeah, there are a lot of things about Christ and the gospel and the transfiguration that I don't understand. Maybe there are parts of this that you don't understand either, and I want to tell you that that's okay. To believe that we have full understanding over a divine God says more about our egos than the divinity of God. I think this story gives us permission to wonder about a Christ transfigured, about the completion of the story, about the fear and the wonder in the disciples' eyes and maybe in our own. What does it look like this week in this Lenten season to just sit and listen and wonder without an expectation of full understanding or a need to proclaim to maybe be okay with not having an answer? What does it look like for some of us to hold a highly emotional religious path with whatever faith journey we're on right now? In this season, we are remembering the journey to death and resurrection. And in the second week of Lent, I think we're invited into wonder. I'm going to end this morning. We're going to do communion a little bit later. Um, And I want to share something from Reverend Nadia Bolsweber as she was talking about the same passage. She says, I want to be speechless and a little terrified and not know what else to say, but it's good to be here and to listen to Jesus. You deserve some magic. And while you could dress up and go to Harry Potter's Wizarding World at Universal Studios in Orlando for a lot of money, there is something about this story. This story of heaven touching earth on a mountain 2,000 years ago, which promises something no other story can. There's something about this table around which we gather every week that promises to be true in a way that myth and legend and fairy tale can never be. The gospel is real. Heaven touching earth is real. The body and blood of Christ is real. And only this kind of realness can re-enchant the world again and again. It is good for us to be here. Pray with me this morning, guys. God, be with us when we can see your glory and when all we can see is the cloud. Help us to follow your call to listen. Show us what it can look like to be still in a world that is grieving and mourning in a way that doesn't stifle action for our neighbors. Help us to be still in this season of Lent as we wait for resurrection, but lament and grieve the path to get there. As Peter says, it is good for us to be here, but show us how to bring that good into all of the parts of our lives. In Richmond, as it is in heaven.